Today's episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. What if comparing car insurance rates was as easy as putting on your favorite podcast? With Progressive, it is. Just visit the Progressive website to quote with all the coverages you want. You'll see Progressive's direct rate, then their tool will provide options from other companies so you can compare. All you need to do is choose the rate and coverage you like. Quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Comparison rates not available in all states or situations. Prices vary based on how you buy. Beyond the Dark brings you sci-fi short stories that invite you to explore questions like What drives us? What makes us human? And what else lies out there undiscovered? At times, you'll encounter some mature themes, so listener discretion is advised. What happens when you live beyond the end of the world? When cities grow cold and begin to crumble like sandcastles succumbing to the tide? when there's nothing left but to wander the gray, silent earth and wait. The white summer engulfed everything, and after, the ashen skies grew dark enough to thwart the sun. The winter that followed stretched on for decades, and in the cold gloom of this new world, almost all life was extinguished. I'd walk this desert for longer than I could remember, my limbs worn and tarnished, but refusing to give out. Now, finally, the light has returned. Seeds that had lain dormant were germinating, bringing life and color back to the wasteland. And so, it was time to go home. On the outskirts of the city, long abandoned houses, broken and leached of color, wilted at the touch of the remorseless wasteland. To the west, a plume of smoke churned skywards. The setting sun was low in the sky and deep red-orange as it hid behind the haze. Skyscrapers loomed to the north, gray and deformed like great teetering gravestones, ghosts, of this long-dead metropolis. I gathered a handful of dirt. It ran through my fingers and scattered on the cracked pavement. The streets around me were quiet, but for the moan of the wind as it swept between empty alleyways and through the skeletons of ruined cars that littered the roads. Much had changed since I was last here. 
I stood and dusted my hands on my shirt, taking one last glimpse at the road behind me. Then I continued on. The city was a corrupted imitation of what it once was. Places I'd known and loved were almost unrecognizable. A favorite restaurant had been gutted by fire, and a movie theater was a pile of rubble blown apart at some point in the conflict. Like the wasteland, the soul of the place was gone, and it brought me no pleasure to return. There was a park I had often visited with Zaid. I could still hear his laughter as I pushed him on the swing and chased him through the trees. Trees that were now drab stumps, more like broken columns of concrete than the majestic things they had once been. I pulled the photograph from my pocket. It was the only keepsake I'd held onto over the years. Zaid beamed back at me, his sandy hair tousled around a mischievous glimmer in his eye. He'd been gone all these years, like so many others, lost in the conflict. Further on, I saw movement on a distant rise that overlooked the city. It might have been fabric or some other artifact tossed about by the wind, but I had a feeling it wasn't. I diverted my course and headed up the slope. It was an old cemetery. At one time, it would have been a beautiful sight, adorned by trees and presenting a serene vista as it looked out across the city. Now it was a bare patch of dirt littered with broken headstones that jutted out at all angles like jagged teeth. In amongst them, a figure was hunched over a grave. I moved forward cautiously. I hadn't seen another synthetic in a long time and wasn't quite sure what to expect. She stood and turned her face to the sky, staring up as the waning sunlight tilted through the skyscrapers, her auburn hair gently caressed by the breeze. Unaware of my presence, she was the one thing in this city that hadn't changed. Arsha? She turned at the sound of my voice and for a moment stood disbelieving. Brent! I walked toward her and she met me halfway with a warm embrace. I thought you were gone for good. I shrugged. It seems the time has come. Her smile faltered for a moment and then she forced the corners of her lips upward unconvincingly. Yeah.
When the end was near for mankind, we realized that no organic creature would survive the darkness of winter. The planet was dying under a blanket of soot and ash. Arsha and myself were part of a small team of scientists who developed a process that would allow a few of us to survive. We crafted specialist synthetic counterparts and transferred our thoughts and memories to them through machines called displacers. To survive the winter, our bodies were sealed in cryosleep at a level so deep that brain functions ceased, but at which cells could still be reactivated when the planet could sustain us again. We would use the displacers to reverse the process and return to our bodies. It was a long shot, we all knew that, but it was the only shot we had. So what are you doing up here? Arsha shrugged, self-consciously. I come here sometimes. There were flowers laid across an unmarked gravesite nearby. Amazing, isn't it? I've grown flowers again. The seeds we kept in cryo-storage, they're still viable. Whose grave is it? She turned away. No one's. Everyone's. It's symbolic. It represents the human race and all that's been lost. From out of nowhere, a storm was upon the hillside. It unnerved me for some reason, and I suddenly felt the need to move on. Arsha, I'm on my way to the lab. Right now? You just got back. Why don't you come to the workshop and I'll bring you back up to speed? I'm not waiting any longer, Arsha. I've seen enough to know the time is right. We made our way down the slope toward the city, and the curtain of rain spread across the silent skyscrapers the sun shower glittering red and gold in the twilight. Arsha had been busy over the years. She told me of environmental analysis she performed and work she'd done on plant DNA to make them more suitable for this new environment. The frozen animal and human embryos were still safely stored away, the seeds of a new world. She noticed my arms and neck where patches of skin had worn away over the years, revealing fibrous artificial muscle and in places the alloy of my skeleton beneath. You've taken a beating out there. She held out her arms to compare. Her skin was in much better shape, apart from a small patch missing from her right forearm. There was also a black powdery substance on her palms that she rubbed off self-consciously. She hid her hands in her pockets. Experiments get messy. She stopped suddenly and gently took a hold of my arm, pointing up at a tall angular building with a curved peak nearby. Listen, the lab can wait a few more minutes. I want to show you something. We climbed the stairs, floor after floor, until we exited at the top level. Once, this panoramic chamber may have contained a restaurant or penthouse, but now it was nothing more than a rubble-strewn cavity. Frayed cables and electrical fixtures hung from the ceiling, and beyond, shattered windows looked out across the city. The wind whipped around and tugged at my clothing. Arsha sat close to the edge as I peered out and could see the storm that had already cleared. I sat down with her to watch the fading sunlight wash across the ruined landscape below. 
Arsha had questions. She wanted to know what I'd been searching for out there all this time. I couldn't say for sure. I just knew that I didn't want to be here. Maybe I was biding my time until the day that we could finally return to our true selves. You can't become so attached to this life, Arsha. This is not who we really are. This is a transient existence, nothing more. But we were programmed to experience all the things we did as humans. Joy, sadness, wonder. We can still learn. So why not do that? I got to my feet. I can't pretend that this life as a machine is what I want. It's diluted, incomplete. When I'm back in my body, that's when I can start to live again. My body. It was out there in the city, lying inert in a cryo tank. I looked out across the silent metropolis, searching for landmarks and familiar streets, tracing an invisible line to the displacer laboratory. It intersected directly with the fire raging in the west. I ran as fast as I could. The storm hadn't reached this part of the city and the fire had gone unchecked. The lab was built to withstand earthquakes and extreme weather events, but if this fire burned long and hot enough, who knew what could happen? It had already swept between buildings and the whole street was ablaze. I could still see the entrance to the lab behind the curtain of smoke and flame. The inner lab structure was lined with fire retardant and should still be intact. Brant, wait! Arsha stood behind me, her face a mixture of anxiety and desperation. She held out her hand, entreating. We're not supposed to enter until readings are adequate. What are you talking about? We have to get in. Our whole future is in there. Look, it's gone. Just leave it. We don't need the displacer. We don't need our human bodies either. Come with me. Let me show you. Arsha, this is crazy. We've waited decades for this. I'm not throwing it all away. I ran forward, shielding my face from the fire. My body was built to withstand harsh conditions, but not prolonged exposure. As quickly as I could, I punched in the passcode at the door and went inside. The fire retardant had done its job. Although the outer building was charred and intensely hot, the interior lab was cool and dark. There was not a sound. The automatic lights clicked on. The generators were still running, at least. In the dull glow, it was apparent that this was not the lab I remembered. There were no cryo tanks lining the wall, no terminal screens where I remembered running countless repetitions of analysis. Instead, there were just a few dusty cardboard boxes and a large cone-shaped object in the middle of the room covered with a black sheet. The displacer machine. I stepped forward hurriedly and tugged at the sheet. It slipped to the ground and pooled around by my ankles. Underneath, there lay a stack of broken furniture, books, and old terminal screens piled up almost as high as the ceiling. The displacer was not here. I didn't want you to find out this way. Find out what? The truth. Arsha, where's the displacer? Where are the cryotanks, our bodies? There is no displacer. 
There never was. You're not making sense. Come back outside with me, please. Arsha, I don't know what you're talking about, but we need to find our bodies. You were never human. My mind was reeling. No, Arsha, that's not true. I'm sorry, Brant. Why would you say that? They never did find a way for people to survive the winter. So they did the next best thing. They created machines that mimicked all of their traits. We are their successors. They built you and me and others like us to carry their spirit forward. They gave us all their emotions, their empathy, and their ability to see beauty in the world around us, to dream. But they made us so human that we began to believe we were human. But, but the displacers. You and I made a pact, Brandt. We would hook into each other's neural core and change our memories. The only things that stood in the way of our fantasies being complete. The displacers were a part of that fantasy. I hooked into you first and something went wrong. After, you couldn't face reality at all anymore. You fled into the desert to escape. You left me here, alone. Over time, I came to accept who and what I was and started making the most of this life I'd been given. And what about this? I brandished the photograph of Zaid. This, this is real. It's something you found in the ruins to incorporate into your fantasy. Nothing more. She studied my face a moment longer and then despondent turned and left. I looked around the room in despair at this place of stolen dreams. There was nothing here worth staying for and nothing to take away. I had no choice but to follow her. By the time I reached the outside, Arsha was nowhere to be seen. I turned up the street and began to walk away. I looked back and saw a figure in the street, a vision of myself as a human, drawn and pale and draped in a blanket, standing motionless amidst the smoke, watching me. Another mirage in the desert, the embodiment of all I'd lost. It was enveloped by smoke and slowly faded from view. I didn't look back again. The fire roared into the night sky and lit up the gloomy city, a candle in a dark world. I found myself in the park without really knowing how I got there. In the darkness, the old dead trees seemed to watch me, silent and sad, somehow understanding my pain. I pulled the photograph from my pocket and took one last look at the boy who meant everything to me. The boy who had never existed at all. A gust of wind made the photograph flutter in my hand, and for a moment my grip tightened. Then I parted my fingers and sent it swirling away into the night. I walked for a long time, 
the pavement gave way to sand and I found myself back out in the wasteland, in the only place where I could absorb the nothingness and avoid the terrible revelations that I didn't want to face. If I wandered out here in this silent earth for long enough, could I forget what she told me? Could I forget what I was? might have been days or weeks later, I found myself facing the pre-dawn horizon and watching the last of the night's stars slowly dissolving in the sky. My foot grazed against something and I looked down. Protruding from the sand was a metallic arm. I reached down and pulled, and the broken body of a synthetic sloughed out of the sand and lay staring up at me, sightless. I kept my hand clasped in his and kneeled. Most of my brothers, like him, had been hurled into the teeth of the conflict and suffered a similar fate. With the factories destroyed, there would be no more created. The realization struck me. My lifespan was finite. One day, I would end up just like him. My creators had made me more human than maybe even they realized. I was imperfect, flawed. I could doubt and suffer and struggle and lose my way. But I could also believe I could still find the right path in the time I had left. I could never become human, but in all the ways that really mattered, I already was. top of the stairs I found her, silhouetted against the darkening cityscape in the evening breeze. The broken cables seemed to sway hypnotically around her, and the yellow moonlight spilled across the floor. I absorbed the serenity of the moment, and began to understand why she came here so often. Wasn't sure if I'd see you again. I guess I needed some time to think, to process. Did you end up finding what you were looking for? No, but I finally understand where I need to start. I close my eyes and imagine looking out over a city bursting with life, full of noise, lights, movement, and color. The pulsing of beacons, the sound of shuttles and people walking the streets, the trains and birds, and the laughter of children. 
So what now? Arsha smiled and held out her hand, her face filled with hope and a sense of satisfaction. Now, we begin. the winter featuring brad everett and Flynn hopkins written directed composed and produced by me mark r healy if you enjoyed this episode please subscribe and add a review wherever you listen to podcasts beyond the dark is an independent production and i need your help to keep it going so please visit patreon.com slash beyond the dark if you'd like to hear more episodes you can also find my full-length novels and music at markrhealy.com Thanks for tuning in. I'll see you in the next one. The Fable and Folly Network, where fiction producers flourish. Hey, we're the looters. Hey! What's up? Looters is a sci-fi western actual play podcast using the Stars Without Number system. We're a group of friends getting into trouble all over the universe. So come with us if you're into adventure. A rocket flies out of one of these ships far behind you and crashes into the wall and blows up. There's rockets? It's Mario Kart. Crazy. Intrigue. Can I hack into the body and maybe see if they have, like, a memory data bank in their brain or some shit like that that I can access? That'll literally. <laughs> Devastating physical injury. <laughs> Just uh, take cover. Okay. She's a good pilot, everyone. Very good. Very good. She's very good. And, and friendship. friendship. New episodes of Looters out every Tuesday, wherever you get your podcasts.